All right. Lose Log, episode two. Today, my guest, I got Sam Sinclair, Colts fan, great guy, host of the Circle City Pod. That's uh, at Circle City Pod on Twitter. Phenomenal host, Colts fan, so can't go wrong. What's up, my guy? Oh, I'm doing great, man. How about you? I'm chilling, man. Uh, excited for a second episode. Uh, Sam's also part of the Unwrap family, which is great. Um, so we're going to get started with our first topic, which is what did you think of the Michael Thomas contract? Five years, $100 million. I thought it was about right. I mean, he's arguably a top three receiver in the NFL, and to get paid as a top receiver in the NFL according to spot track now, uh, he's going to be making about $20 million a year. I thought that was a fairly fair deal. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins' contract is going to be coming up in the next year or two. I think Odell Beckham's going to be up in a couple of years. So, in a, you know, it's just like when any other you know, new star star player gets paid at their position, they're going to be the highest paid player for a couple months or a year or two, and then the next guy will top them. So I think $20 million is probably a really good contract uh, for Michael Thomas and the Saints. You're not dramatically overpaying for him but you're still handsomely rewarding him for the three great years or three or four great years he's had with the Saints so far. I completely agree. Um, I think it's even better that he wasn't one of those guys talking about a holdout. He's never really had any issues on or off the field. I mean, the guys are straight hours it gets, and they need him. I mean, who is their number two receiver at this point? Yeah, I can't tell you that either. Who need maybe? Uh, I see. Yeah, their um, their wide receiver depth isn't great, but he he's worth every penny. Um, and yeah, like you said, I think the bar will just keep getting set. I mean, um, we'll go into the next topic because this kind of goes into it for me. Uh, so we were, we were talking about what NFL players are, are do for a payday outside of anyone on the Cowboys because that's in the media all the time. Um, and I like like we were saying, Julio is probably going to be next up. He's holding out. Um, or not holding out, but he's sitting himself out, and he's going to get an absurd contract, or at least he should. Yeah, and Julio didn't even play in the in the uh, preseason last year, so for him to miss time this preseason really means nothing at all. I think Julio is probably the next receiver that needs to get paid, but I think Marcus Peters of the of the L.A. Rams is probably the next player that could get a big contract. Uh, he's fairly young. I want to say he is uh, 26, 27. Uh, yeah, he's 26 years old. Uh, he's going to be their next – if they're going to want to pay him, he's going to be their next shutdown, lockdown corner. And if they want to get him at a good price, they're going to have to get him before Jalen Ramsey gets signed because Ramsey's probably arguably the best corner in the league, and he'll get paid that way. And I don't think the Rams want to pay Marcus Peters that much money with them having to sign Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and uh, Brandon Cooks and Jared Goff soon in the near future. So I think Marcus Peters needs to be the next guy to get signed. That's true. I had him on my list. Um, another guy, another corner, I think Chris Harris Jr. is still waiting. Isn't he on a one-year deal right now? Yeah, I think, I, it's about, I think it's – I want to say it's about $10 million because I want to say he was on the trade market for a while during that dead period before training camp came around. He's definitely a guy that needs to be signed. He's arguably the top three slot corner in the NFL right now. Yeah, and I remember um, they reworked his deal. It, it was $9 million and I think he's getting like twelve and a half now in – Again, that's a, another team, Denver, who doesn't really have a ton of high-priced guys outside of Von Miller. So, I mean, you're going to want to lock him up now while they rebuild. I mean, they have Flacco, but they're rebuilding. 
Yeah, it, it's just kind of hard for the Broncos because I want to say Harris, uh, Harris is up there in age. I want to say he's like 30 or 31, so you can't pay him as, you know, a high-priced corner. You can't give him, you know, we'll talk Kenny Moore contract. You can't give him that much money because he's going to be older in age. He's going to be up there. He's not going to – you know, his days at corner are going to be very limited, and he's going to be playing slot corner. When you're going to be playing against the Denver Broncos, especially in the next couple of years, you're going to be up on them. So the teams are going to be run the ball a lot more. So Chris Harris is not probably going to see the field as much as a slot corner. That's true. That's true. And another thing I saw in the media that I wanted to talk about was um, Zeke's obviously holding out. Uh, that's in the media every day. Um, he's waiting for an extension. And I heard that they're not even close at this point. Uh, what do you think about him in Cabo? Like, how does that sit with you? It just doesn't. I'm the old school guy. I'm the bring the lunch bail to bring the lunch bail to work every day. You you're under contract with the Dallas Cowboys. You need to go out and earn every penny that you are under contract for, and you need to show the organization, hey, I'm worth every penny that you're about to pay me. And Zeke needs to realize, while he's an elite running back and arguably a top five running back in the NFL right now, he. He needs to realize that running backs are very inexpendable. You could easily go out and draft a running back in the fourth round. It's what the Patriots do every year. They go out and get a running back either in free agency or they get a running back late in a draft or in the middle of the draft. And, you know, they end up, you know, going to the Super Bowl every year and they have a solid run game every year. You look at the Seattle Seahawks, they were the number one rushing offense last year with Rashad Penny and um, trying to think of the other running back's name. Uh, but them two guys were not very – big name running backs coming out and you know they're the top running offense look at the, the Baltimore Ravens they were they were right behind the Seahawks they had Alex Collins and of course they had Mark Ingram he's not that overpriced but you know it's Zeke needs to realize that while he is an elite running back it's not very hard to replace a running back in the NFL a serviceable one at least uh yeah I, I'm flip-flopping between and the guy you were thinking of was Chris Carson on um the Seahawks, he's yep. awesome. Him and Rashad Penny back-to-back. Back. Um, so I, I, I felt the same way you did, and then I heard Greg Jennings talk about it, and he said a lot of players are kind of like, hey, do you, man, get this money. And, um, and I think it's honestly working out – not working out, but I think it'll work out for Dallas because you get to see who can be behind Zeke when he does come back. I mean – I know Alfred Morris is there, but they, they have a couple of young backs on the roster. They could get someone undrafted and see what they're doing in the preseason. I mean, it gives other people a chance. So I think Zeke's doing a little bit of a disservice to himself and kind of helping the guys behind him. I don't – Well, we're going to see all yeah. these elite running backs coming up in the next couple of years. They're all going to probably sit out because they saw what Le'Veon Bell did. He sat out a full year, and he got paid for the Jets, so – I think that's probably what's going to happen with all these running backs. We see it now with not only Zeke, but Melvin Gordon's even sitting out games. And I think the Chargers would still be almost on that same level with Austin Eckler as their running back. Like he's a solid run, backup running back. He's not Melvin Gordon level, but he's good enough, you know, to you know have us for them to keep a solid running game. Like it's not very hard. You can it's you can't get the same production from one running one running back in an elite level but you can still get the same production from three guys that you're only paying like three to $5 million a year. Yes. And, and they're two teams with great offensive lines. So it's not, 
that you need to depend on that guy to break those tackles or to be yeah, a bull. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, I agree. One running backs are expendable. Um, I used to be that. I used to think wide receivers were more expendable than running backs, but the last couple of years, it's told us kind of the opposite. I mean, it, yeah. it, there's just so many coming through the draft, and there's so much talent. Um, like you said earlier, the Pats before Sony Michelle was um, playing because he was injured for a little bit. They still had James White, uh, and they both uh, do different things. So you don't even have to replace Zeke with a bull like himself or um, like an every down back. It could be a guy who can catch out of the backfield. Like an Austin Eckler is a great example, a guy that can kind of do a lot of different things on the field. When we look at the Patriots last year, they were top five in a run, run offense, and they had, you know, three – Every year, it seems like they have three or four capable guys that can play running back for them at any point of time. And if you run committees, which is what teams are doing now in the NFL, it makes even more matchup or matchup mismatches because you're going to wonder, hey, what running backs in here? Where are they lining up at and everything like that? But with Zeke, you're like, okay, they're, we know what his tendencies, tendencies are, what, he, what he's good at, what he's not good at. Well, you know, you look at the Patriots – they could throw James White out there one play, Sonny Michelle out there, Rex Burkett. Um, I know they had Gillsley on their roster for a while, and I know they added someone else over time. But just committees are becoming more and more stable in the NFL just because running backs, you know, their shelf life are really, really short. And you, you look at Gurley, they paid him really nicely a year or two ago. And now you look at him now, and his knees are just wearing out at this point. Arthritis. Yeah, it's, so it's – they use him so much. I think Zeke, um, he's either had the most rushing yards in his first three or four years or he's had the most carries in the first three or four years. And that's just not a good sign for a running back. You need a running back to be fresh his whole career. And with him being, you know, top CFL in carries for a year, that's just, you know, that's not a good sign if Dallas ends up paying him, you know, to be the highest paid running back in the NFL. That's true. That's definitely true. Um, and to our next topic, so uh, a lot of people – in the NFL media, we're kind of reacting heavily to the uh, the Bucky Brooks article for uh, people listening who don't know what that article is. It was basically he came out with an article about how Aaron Rodgers is overrated and he's not a top five QB at this moment, which I had big pushback on. A lot of people did. But um, the way he, he explained it, I'm going to give a little quote right here. Uh, week seven of the 2015 season, uh, Rodgers sported, uh, seven, 76 and 33 QB record with a 66% completion rate and a 107 rating. Uh, and that's awesome. And then since that point, he's been 24, 24 and one, 62% completion, which is 4% lower. Um, his passer rating is much, much lower at 96. And um, last year uh, in a 10 game minimum was the least amount of touchdowns he's ever thrown. Um, so I, I see a little bit of Bucky's argument, but I don't think, um, like there's no way I can't have Rodgers in my top five. How do you feel? I, I'm going to have to disagree with you on the top five with how Bucky put it in his article. He started, he basically formatted his whole art, this whole argument to say he's not the number one quarterback. And I can completely agree with that. But after he made this, when, when people originally see the article and they see the headline, they're going to think Rodgers is overrated. They're going to be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? He's great. 
But then if you read if you read what he's put in his article, and it's well put out, he he provides really good stats to show, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers is getting a little bit of a pass from us, us NFL fans, the NFL media, really. You know, they haven't made the playoffs in, I want to say, two or three years. And Aaron Rodgers is, of course, getting up there in age. I mean, last year he only had 25 touchdowns in 16 games. So, and I believe the record is 33-30 and one over the last four years, which is not great. So, I just think – I know he he made, he made mentioned in a paragraph where he talked about people give him a pass because of the team, the lack of talent, and I kind of – I'll put that on the organization, not on the quarterback, because, you know, the quarterback can only play with – he can only be as good as his weakest link at, at the skill position. So, when he's got – when he's throwing the guys like Equinemus, Sate Brown, and Geronimo Allison – you know, that's obviously going to drop off his stats and it's going to drop off the wins. You look at when he was consistently going to the playoffs and winning MVPs and winning a Super Bowl, he had Jordy Nelson and Greg, and Greg Jennings and Randall Cobb throwing the ball, and he had really good running game, and he had a top 15 defense in the NFL. And, you know, we look at it recently, and he hasn't had that, and he's had to shoulder a lot more. Forced to two injuries. The last two collarbone injuries have not helped at all. Um but yeah, I just I just don't think Aaron Rodgers is a top five quarterback in the NFL anymore. He's still up there, top ten, I think. But I just don't think he's top five with all the quarterbacks. And he even Bucky even mentioned in his article that even the older guys like Brady and Rivers and Breeze are still playing at elite level at their elder statesman ages. Yeah, I have the line right here. He says it's it's hard to give Rodgers a complete pass when Brady, Breeze, and Philip Rivers constantly produce at a high level with a revolving door of playmakers at their disposal. And that um, and that eliminates two that eliminates two arguments for Packer for Brett Favre around Aaron Rodgers fans. One, the revolving door, you know, at his at skill positions, receiver, running back, tight end, and two. The older, the older the age, the the drop off. Because I mean, outside of, I don't think Tom, I don't think Tom Brady has gotten worse, but I don't think he's gotten better, or has played the same level he did in his early thirties. But he's still yeah. a level quarterback. Like he's winning games still, but he's get, but he's getting a little bit more help from the rest of his team. That's true. I'll say this: I I'll put Rodgers at the end of my top five because every the way you said it, I like what you said that. There's so many good quarterbacks now, but I believe a lot of it is their coaching and the schemes. And now he doesn't have the old stagnant offense, no motion that McCarthy ran. So I think this is kind of his, his proving yet. Now you have a guy in Matt LaFleur who is a dynamic offensive coach. Um, and you're going to have a little more freedom. I mean, he's the elder statesman there. He's the veteran. LaFleur is the young guy, the rookie. Um, so, We'll see. I mean, this is the make-or-break year for me. It's either Rodgers is going to take the Bulls by the horn and show us what he's made of and if he can still be that level of Aaron that we saw in the Super Bowl and years prior, or is he going to have another issue with the coaches? They're going to be more um, friction tension between them. Yeah, friction. Because um, he likes to call his own plays a lot at the line of scrimmage, and um, he's offbeat. So if he really doesn't want to buy into the system, I mean, it could be last year even worse because 
besides the defense, the offense hasn't gotten any better. No, they really haven't gave him much help around him, especially – I mean, they gave him Jimmy Graham, but I just don't – I just don't think Aaron Rodgers is that type of quarterback to go to the tight ends a lot. We see Brady and Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson and all the good quarterbacks, they have really good tight ends. But Aaron Rodgers, he's had Jared Cook, he's had uh, Jermichael Finley, and he's had um, – Trying to think, Jimmy Graham. He's had really good tight ends. He just never really. Donald Driver. Yeah, Donald Driver. I just, there. I don't know if it was a scheme Michael Carthy was running, or if it was just Aaron Rodgers not relying on tight ends as much. That's true. I, I heard the McCarthy offense was like no motion, stagnant. Yeah, very that's what Bucky put. Yeah. I just, again, this is it though. I need to see it now because Sean Payton is the best, one of the best offensive coaches in the game. Belichick. Uh, adapts every year. It's more McDaniels, but they adapt. Um, Anthony Lynn um, is a pretty good offensive coach. Um, yeah, and then like you even have guys like Carson Wentz who are unbelievable in Mahomes, but they all have great coaches. So it's kind of not to say it's the LeBron situation where he's never had a coach and he's never and he didn't have a great team in Cleveland, but it's now this is it. You know what I mean? It, it's as if like LeBron went if he goes to Miami and now he has pieces and he didn't produce. So this is really the year for me. This is it. What do you expect from Rogers next season? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see with that new offense, how it's going to look schematic wise, what, what they're going to be running. If they're going to be what, what they're going to be running on a week to week basis. I think Aaron Rodgers will get over 4,000 yards. He's done that consistently throughout his career. Uh, he, I think he gets around 30 touchdowns. He's done that five, six times in his career. So, in his career highs, he's had 45 in 2011. So, I think around 4,000 passing yards, around 30 touchdowns, probably around seven, eight interceptions or so. But I don't think the Packers are probably fighting for any kind of playoff spot right now because the NFC is so deep with really good teams. They have a far better rosters. Do you think he buys in? Do you think he accepts that he has to be coached a little? I think he's going to let LaFleur early do a lot of the play calling, and, you know, he'll sit back. He'll give he'll give him the the keys to the offense. But if, you know, the Packers start off 1-2 or 1-3, I think Rodgers starts calling plays at the line and calling plays in the huddle on his own and kind of just throws LaFleur to the side almost. And uh, one more thing, I didn't I didn't put on the game plan. But if they is there any chance in your mind that if they don't start off well and he doesn't buy in and he's a little fatigued, do you think the team could get fatigued of him and say, let's see what we can get for value? He's not getting any younger, and he obviously doesn't want to be coached. Yeah, that's that's really tough to say because he's going to be thirty, thirty five, thirty six years old during the season and. I'm pretty sure he's got a pretty big cap hit, so I don't know if any team would want would want to trade for him, and I don't know if the Packers would would trade him. So I think it would just end up being a situation where you know they just have to play the season now, and you know going to the going to the 2019 off season, 2020 off season, you know looking for a buyer for Aaron Rodgers or maybe even cut him. But I that just seems like a really really far fetched idea to be honest. See, I think it's it's possible. I think I think any team right now would hands down trade for him, but the Packers aren't that type of organization. 
they'll ride it out. Um, I hope that doesn't happen, though. I want to see him. I genuinely believe when he's at his best, he's the most talented quarterback that's ever touched his toes on the grass or on the turf. Uh, Hands down, um, his throws on the run are just unbelievable. Like that throw to uh, Dagger Dallas in their last playoff meeting, just unbelievable. There's no one else. People talk about Mahomes throwing really well off target, but they need to watch Rodgers, especially when he's rolling left. When he rolls left, he's one of the better quarterbacks, left or right-handed. He's one of the best quarterbacks rolling left, throwing off, throwing off target and everything like that, moving left. It's just insane, his, his ability to fit in really tight windows. It's incredible. His accuracy is just – it's something different. And I know they were talking about uh, he throws the ball away a lot, but I'd rather him do that than throw it into a stupid play. I have no problem with quarterbacks stumping the ball out of bounds when needed, even if it's a little excessive because no one's open. Agreed, yeah. I agree with you on that one. All right. So, last topic. Um, top five QBs. Um, so, we know he Rodgers isn't in Sam's. He's in mine. Uh, Sam, what's the rest of your top five? Or your whole top five because he's not in it. So, number five, I'll go Russell Wilson. And then number four, I'll go with Andrew Luck. Three, I'll go with Drew Brees, and that was kind of hard to put in there because he kind of struggled late in, late in the year, but he still got the wins. And then number two, I got Tom Brady, and then, of course, number one is uh, Pat Mahomes. Um, it was kind of tough after one. I think it's just Mahomes is just probably – I think he's probably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, just skill-wise, you know, his ability to throw any place, anywhere on the football field and his ability to escape the pocket – and his ability to, you know, throw from very a lot of different platforms, like we said with Rodgers. Mahomes is going to be a special, special quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. I 100% agree with uh, that. I got Mahomes. Uh, see, I have him a little lower in my in my top five just because I, I don't – one year is great. He did things that were just absolutely absurd. Um, I do think there's a, a learning curve the second year, and I do think he'll face that. So I have uh, Rodgers at my fifth. He's number five for me. Uh, he's got a lot to prove. Um, number four, I have Russell Wilson. Uh, he's absolutely incredible. Um, I remember I was uh, not a Russell Wilson fan in the beginning. When he beat the Broncos and Peyton Manning, I said, this guy, he gets carried by the defense. You know what I mean? He's not a great thrower of the football. He's more finesse, and he gets out of bad situations. But, man, he has it's, developed into an absolutely phenomenal quarterback. See, I was completely opposite. When he was coming out of Wisconsin in the draft, I was like, wherever this guy goes, if there's a quarterback battle, he's probably going to win it. And when he got drafted to Seattle in the third round or fourth round, I was like, watch, this guy will probably be playing week one and starting. And he ended up beating Matt Flynn for the job after they paid Matt Flynn. And – I really like Russell Wilson. I like him as a quarterback. I don't care if he's 5'11 or 5'10. He still is a very, very good pocket quarterback, and that's very, very underrated in this game. And, of course, he's got that escapability as well, be able to create create plays outside of the script of the play itself. That's absolutely true. He's um, behind Rodgers. I think he's the best off-script quarterback in the NFL, um, for sure. And he doesn't have a ton to work with on the offensive side, unfortunately. Um, He's really not no, at all. 
whole lot, period, outside of this yeah. defense. That's absolutely true. Their O line is um, embarrassing most of the time. But I got, I got Mahomes in there at three. He's phenomenal. Um, I do think, not to say it's a little overstated, but I do think that no look passes won't happen next year. I mean, I know that's just kind of like a, a funny, a fun, cool thing that he does during the game. I mean, but I just don't think he's going to be able to play as freely this year. I think their schedule is going to be harder. Um, the defenses are aware of him now. Um, I agree with that. And yeah. I just don't think he'll have the same running game behind him. Um, and they were extremely healthy last year on the offensive side of the ball, which is – They were extremely healthy, period, really, outside exactly. of Eric Berry, really. Yeah, and that's very rare. So, I'm, I'm going to see him taking a step back. Um, no-look passes. I'm just ready for him to throw a no-look pass and it ends up being a pick six. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was, there was, it, was only one, it was only one pass in the regular season, but I'm just like – I'm getting sick and tired of seeing this on replay every, every time I turn on a TV show. Yeah, I, I hear you. I thought it was a little, um, a little exaggerated. I, he's fun. I, I mean, he's he's a wizard. I, he's a freak. Um, and then, oh, this is tough. I, I was gonna put Brady at one, but I have him at two. I have I've been telling all my friends who are Pats fans who tell me he's the best in the league still, um, which is an argument. There's no doubt. Uh, he's the clutchest quarterback ever and still in the league. He is the goat, um, but. There's going to be some decline. I mean, you can see it already. He doesn't have the consistent precision for a whole game. Not to say that he's washed up in the first half of games or in the second half, but you can see for all four quarters he's not the Brady we've seen, like surgical, on point, quick with everything. Um, And, again, I think that's just because he's getting older and they have to change the offense. Like you said earlier, they were top five in running. Uh, and they usually are. Um, and then at number one, I have a guy, Andrew Luck. I just believe uh, any team you put him on, they're an instant playoff contender. And I don't think anybody – I don't think you could say that about anybody else. I think he changes the dynamic of every team. Um, and if he's healthy, which he will be, the calf strain doesn't worry me. Um, I know people are going crazy over that. But, yeah, I, I really think uh, next year he's the MVP and Colts in the Super Bowl. Andrew Luck finally gets his due. Yeah, the calf strain actually is not getting a whole lot of attention from the media, so I'm kind of lucky. I'm kind of happy about that. I'm not too worried about it either. I feel like he just kind of re-aggravated it going through – even when you're just going through individual or seven-on-seven drills, when you go from sitting sitting and doing nothing for three months to that rigorous practicing for two hours on a calf, it's going to re-aggravate it because the calf's not used to it, you know, for sitting around for three months. So I'm not worried about the calf too much. Um, I think you have luck slightly too high. We he we've only been to one AFC Championship game, and that was in 2014. I want to say or 2015. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, 2014 we beat the Bengals in the in the wild card round. That's not much of an opponent, and then we got smacked by the Patriots. I think it's mostly Andrew Luck has just been has just lost to more of an inferior teams in the playoffs. You know, it's been the the Patriots the last couple of years. Uh, the and the Patriots Chiefs last year. Yeah, and Chiefs, all three teams have been. Yeah, all three teams have been so much more inferior talent-wise than the Colts have. Of course, the teams coming up the next couple of the next couple of years are going to be a lot more talented. So I guess we'll see if uh, Angeluk does win MVP if he makes it far in the playoffs, makes a couple of Super Bowl appearances, hopefully for us too. But I just can't put Angeluk in my top two or top three 
yet just because he hasn't consistently been to the AFC Championship game and he hasn't consistently gone to a Super Bowl yet. But he's still young. He's only 30 years old. He's still got hopefully five, seven to ten more years maybe of an yeah. NFL career with the Indianapolis Colts. See, that's why I just – it's for me, it's – I can't – I have to put him ahead of Mahomes just because I think – Again, like, like, I, like I said earlier, he's only done it for one year. I just my, – my list was more of going into – so, like, next year I think this is the top five. Like, I think Lux – like, I think he's the MVP. I think he's going to have an absurd season. Uh, actually, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit how, how's camp looked uh, from what you've seen. Uh, you've been there, covered it. What do you think? Well, the defense has been looking great against the second-team quarterback, uh, the first-team defense at, at least. Um, I went out today uh, for practice on Wednesday. Something very interesting to watch, uh, you, you should know specifically, is Bobby Okariki, our third-round pick. He was actually playing with the first team on defense as, as the uh, Mike sub linebacker in the dime packages with Darius Leonard. So that was very interesting. And then the second group was Anthony Walker and Matthew Adams as the, uh, as the uh, linebackers in the dime package. That was very interesting. And, of course, our boy, Rocky Sin got another interception today off Jacoby Brissett. Uh, he was, yeah, I know. Rocky's had um, he's had three interceptions. Uh, he had two on Sunday and he had one today, so it's very good. Um, and then they they ran a lot of goal line goal line situation. The defense it was a first. I want to say number the ones. The defense kept the offense out of the end zone all but two times. And the one time Jonathan Williams. Uh, snuck one in from one yard out, and then another one was a percent pass to Mo Alicott. So, one thing I've also been noticing recently is practices with Clayton Gathers being resting up a lot. I've been seeing a lot of Kari Willis playing with the first team alongside Matthias Farlett or Malik, uh, Malik Hooker. So, Kari Willis, uh, we'll see if he gets first team reps next Thursday against Buffalo. One match at one lineup I would like to see. I'd like to see George Owen sub-linebacker in Don Package, our backup safety, and then Carter Willis and Lee Hooker at, deep, at our deep safety position because I've almost – I know I love Clayton Gathers. I love everything he stands for, but I almost gave up on him at this point. <laughs> I hear you on that. Uh, and do you think um, – I believe this. I think having a guy like Brissett that is – a guy that could start in the NFL on a decent team, um, I think having him – working with those guys and having the defense go against him specifically, someone that's not just a Joe Schmo, I think that actually matters a little more. I mean, because it's not someone that doesn't have experience, that hasn't been through reps, you know what I mean? It's it's an experienced guy who's been in multiple systems. And if you're looking good against him, I mean, it's you're not going against Brady, but you know what I mean? You're not going against just another bum. Yeah. And Brissette, he just overall really – Outside of Funches and T.Y. Hill and the receivers haven't looked great. Ampersett hasn't looked great. So, there's been a lot of – Funches has had a lot of contested catches over the middle. But outside of Funches and T.Y., the receiving core has kind of been pretty shaky. Deion Cannon had a pretty bad day today. He had about, I want to say, three drops, easy catches he had in his hands. But Paris Campbell's been out the last two practices. And he's been really shining in red zone drills. So, But he's a rookie, so you can't rely on him too much. Uh, Pascal's had a couple drops. Krishan uh, Hoagie had a drop Sunday that led to a, that led to a Rocky Sin interception. Just really, really shaky wide receiver play, and it's kind of limited my what I think think of 
what the offense, the first team offense is going to look like, especially without 12 out there playing in the 11 11 stuff. That's true. And do you think they'll run a lot of two tight end sets this year with Jack Doyle back? 100%. When they've been going with the first team in the 11 11, almost every time they've been starting off with two tight ends. And it's been Doyle and Ebron. But it, of course, the Doyle's been having a lot of has been having a couple of days off, so it's it's been a lot of Mo Alley Cox and Eric Ebron, and then I'll add another guy in there in the tight end group, Hale Hinches out of Alabama. He had a really really good day today. He uh, he went three for three in the one on one drills against safeties. He uh, he's known for he's known to be a great blocker, but in the receiving game, he actually did a lot today, which surprised me a lot. And he got some really good separation on some safeties in the one on one drills. So Hale Hinch is another guy I look look forward to watching the training in a preseason coming up in a couple of days. That's awesome, and I you have no idea how much I envy you um, being at Colts camp and just being around there. Um, I'll make my way to Lucas Oil someday, definitely soon. Um, I, it sucks that they're not playing the Pats this year because I would have went just to just to see that game, even if it was at Gillette. But um, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Um, Great insight on the Colts and on everything, period. Uh, I can't wait to have you back on. Uh, this is Sam Sinclair, host of the Circle City Pod, uh, at Circle City Pod on Twitter. Give them a follow. Absolute best coverage in Indiana. Paces, Colts, anything. Thank you, my guy. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Definitely. Unwrapped family. Peace, brother. Yep, see ya.